0: series called "Deep Waters. Today I want to talk to you about acapella, acapella. Will you say that with me, acapella? What's, what's that remind you of acapella? Maybe singing a song without music, right? I like to call it Acapoco. we're going to do a song in Acapoco. Well, it's really acapella. and I want to talk to you about that and tie it into worship. Today. I want to talk to you about going into the deep when it comes to worship. Pray with me and let's dive into the word. Father, just thank you. You're awesome. We worship you. We praise you. We exalt you. No matter what we're going through, we, we want to lift you up to the one who rides on the clouds, the maker of the heavens and painter of the skies. Father, we bless your name today. Emmanuel, God with us, we exalt you, we extol you, we love you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would now move in this place. You would send your word. You would transform us from the inside. Father, you would smooth off the rigid areas in our life. You would release people from shackles and chains. And just do what you do. We say, let your kingdom come And your will be done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. The deep series is all about you coming off the shore, past the dabbling your toes in the water, past the ankles and the knees and the waist and the shoulders into absolutely freestyling into the waters of worship. You might dog paddle. You might butterfly. I don't know what you do, but God wants to take us off the shore into deeper and deeper areas of worship in our life. Draw me a little closer. Take me a little. Thank you. One knows. Just sing the song. Let's try that again. Draw me a little closer. Take me a little. I want to know your heart. I want to know you. God wants to take us deeper. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you. I mean, he knows you, but he really wants you to know him more. This series is all about taking each and every one of us into deeper areas of worship. Let me give you an example. If this was your worship before, then maybe you can do this. Maybe that's, not, maybe that's off the shore for you Maybe if this was you before You're going to start doing this Maybe if this was before Maybe you're going to do this Maybe you're going to pull out your keys and rattle them I don't know But I do know that God wants to take you deeper in worship However that looks In your life and God wants I think break hindrances off of our life I think one of the greatest tactics of the enemy always is fear False evidence appearing real fear well how would fear and worship fear of well what are they going to think about me if I really truly worship Fear of going to the deep water. Fear of going someplace you've never been before. Fear of... I remember when I learned to swim, my parents, we were on vacation, and man, there was just something about I wanted to dive into the deep side. I wanted to jump off what seemed to be a huge diving board. I wanted to swim. And I remember, I learned to swim that vacation. I was dog-pedaling around. But I was hindered at times because of fear. Maybe... It's traditions that hold you back. J.O., this is how I was raised, and this is how I do it. In worship, that means that I'm just to not do anything at all, just quiet. It's my quiet time. I'm a dude, I'm a man, and that's what we do in church. We just traditions. The Bible says the traditions of man makes the word of God, listen to that, scary, scary, the word of God of no effect. We take a living word of God, a, a word that God puts above his own name, and we make it unaffected by our traditions. I say, let go of the traditions today. Religiosity. How about denominational walls? Joe, this is how we always did it in this church. Well, praise God. Welcome to Heart of the City Church. And it's not about church, it's about his word, the word that's above all the other books. And we worship according to to his word. Amen. God wants to move you today. We desire to move out into the deep to catch what I think is a large catch. Remember the disciples? He said, move out of the deep. I mean, they fished all night long, but they were obedient to move out to the deep waters. And guess what? They caught a large catch of fish. Well, I'm not saying that you're going to catch some fish, but God wants you to catch something. In the midst of worship, so many times, it's not the things that you're taught. It's more of what you catch. It's easier to to, to catch something than to teach something at times in the presence of God in revelation and the things that God wants to download into your life. True worshipers. The Bible says in John 4, That we have to be. God is looking for those who will be true worshipers, those who will worship him in his spirit and in truth, and those who are true worshipers, who desire the unadulterated, beautiful presence of God. Listen, your life, your heart, your soul, your spirit will be changed in the presence of God. How do I know that? It's the word. Listen to this scripture, Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in his presence, he shows us the path of life. Fullness of joy comes. And look, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We're changed in his presence. You and I are born to worship. We're born to worship. We're born to be in a relationship with God, and we're born to worship him. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's me. It is you. It is you. It's, it's not one person in this room. You were born to worship God Almighty. 40 days, Jesus fasting and going at war in a desert. And one of the main tactics was the enemy was to steal Jesus's worship. If you worship me, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms. And Jesus says, no, get away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord thy God and him only worship. worship. See, there's a war for your worship. There's a battle for your worship and I got news for you you are worshipping something and and I hope it's Jesus because he wants your worship today he's won the victory v i c t o r y he's won the victory for you but you have to walk in it god wants you to walk in it in this series we've talked about a few things I want to just hit on them just for a moment before we change series at the beginning of the year next weekend is a door we're going to talk a little bit about worship in the midst of a door but before we change series i want to do a little just a little highlight of the past weeks remember the the series of thanksgiving and the the importance of thanksgiving how many of you remember the message on thanksgiving god bless the two of you <laughs> no I'm, I'm teasing there was more than two But it's amazing you talk to someone after a sermon. Oh, how was it? Oh, it was a pretty good sermon. What did they talk about? (laughs) It was good. (laughs) God wants to deposit something in each and every one of us to remember. And I've been in that before. I've been like, wow, that was good. It's like, okay. Thanksgiving. Why is Thanksgiving so important? Let me tell you, Psalm 6930 says, I will praise the name of God with a song, and we do that. But I want you to see the power of thanksgiving. It says, and will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You take a little magnifying glass and you magnify something very small and make it big. But there's also this thing called a telescope. And a telescope, because of lens and because of lights, you put it on Pluto. And it's not making Pluto small, big. It's actually making Pluto something that's big, big. Something that's really already big, you're just saying. The only reason why you can't see it for what it is is because it's distance. In the midst of worship, you draw close to God. You experience God. This big God, through magnifying him in thanksgiving, you see him for who he really is. That he's awesome and he's amazing and he's incredible and you thank him for it. And all of a sudden, you magnify him like a telescope and you see him for who he really is. Oh, magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. A heart of thanksgiving. Psalms 100 verse 4, the psalmist had an an amazing secret, a password. The password was thank you or thanksgiving. He knew something in the Old Testament during sacrifices of animals, of There was a way to get into the presence of the Almighty God. And he says this: enter into his gates with. Okay, here's the password. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm through the gates. What got me through? Thanksgiving. I'm in the courts now. Look what it says. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. All of a sudden, because of thanksgiving, praise, you get right into the holy, to the holy of holies, right into the presence of the most high God. How can someone in church, in a worship service, be like this? Just for a minute. Ah, just going to go through my Facebook. Oh, pretty good music, just. And I've checked my phone before. I check the Steelers game occasionally, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Confess your faults one another. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I don't want to check the score. Kind of try to throw off my preaching, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But just. And someone next to you is just like. (laughs) Just touched by God just there's something going on that's all about a heart they're encountering God God is encountering them they have tapped into something man I'm going to come into his courts with thanksgiving right through the gates and through the courts I'm going to exalt his name you can experience God because God is enthroned in the praises of his people that's why somebody can experience God here, and somebody over here is just like, hey, man, this is pretty cool, but I don't know why they're crying or what they're experiencing. What? It's about the heart. It's about you connecting with God. It's about you being dialed in, uh, experiencing him in worship, thanksgiving. The next week, we talk about reach from the deep. How many of you remember that? The power of the lifting of hands and talks about fingers and arms. And 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. Can I get a shout out from the men today? The Bible says it's good for us to pray everywhere. But look what else it says. and that's. I, Women too, men, women, God wants us all praying everywhere. But it says this ongoing, it says, lifting up, oh, holy hands. Would you do that for me right now? Just lift up holy hands, come on. Lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. How many of you remember that week? How many of you remember the big screen? Little screen, little TV. How about fish? How about the liar? How about goalpost? How about hatchet, pointer, classroom? If you wasn't here, you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Love you. God bless you. Hilarious video. But even in this, the word thanksgiving, the word in the Hebrew thanksgiving means this, an extension of the hand. Even when you extend your hand, I think if your heart's in the right places, thank you, God. Thank you. When my kids do this when they were little, I didn't need a dictionary to tell me what to do. I just picked them up because, of, Daddy. If a police officer pulls his gun, says, "You better stick up your hands." What do you do? Did you need to hear Siri tell you what to do? No. The whole world knows that means surrender. Amen. The power of one lifting up hands is what a wonderful thing. And then last week, deep sacrifice. Deep sacrifice. What, is that? what do you mean by that? We talked about the sacrifice of praise. I, I even asked all service, anybody ever heard of sacrifice of praise? Or you've been trained in sacrifice, or taught in sacrifice of praise? I was pretty amazed, but not really, of the people that not had heard about the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 uh, says, therefore, by him, let us continually, will you say that with me, continually? <laughs> continually. Offer. The sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice, right there, means to slaughter, to death. You you kill something on purpose. Up until that point, the death was different animals, so forth and so on. A sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips. Will you say that with me, our lips? You can't delegate a sacrifice. I can't say, "Oh, Seth, would you uh, just uh, praise praise God for me today?" I'm going through, so I don't feel like praising. But when you don't feel like praising and you praise Him, guess what? That's called a sacrifice of praise. When you're going through something, a storm, all of a sudden you cho- you got your back against the wall. You don't know what's, how that, who's going to pay that bill or uh, a report from the doctor, and you choose to praise Him. That can be a sacrifice of praise. It's got to come from your lips. I will exalt the name of the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be my mouth. Your mouth, your lips, a sacrifice of praise. The Old Testament worship service could have been a bloodbath. Priest slaughtering animals. Why would they slaughter animals? Deer, and you know, I don't know about deer, but possibly goats and sheep and ox and rams and doves and pigeons why would they do that well some of the sacrifices was because of sin has anybody ever rode by a slaughterhouse before you rode by a slaughterhouse raise your hand you remember that smell didn't smell like worship did it but i wonder i don't know for sure i wonder what it had been like in the old testament i heard one preacher talk about a river of blood coming from the temple That type of sacrifice. Aren't you glad that you didn't have to bring little little lammy this morning to heart of the city church? How many you glad of that? That little lammy that you raised. How many glad you didn't bring pigeons and doves and and some man, we got we got it made, man. You know why we have it made? Because the ultimate sacrifice stepped out of heaven. Jesus, the the spotless lamb, the perfect lamb of God, he came, he laid his life down on the altar for you and I, and he shed his blood. I never have to kill an animal. Why? Because Christ died for me and you. He shed his precious blood for for you and I. Why? To cover our sin. And you know the sacrifice that he asked for you now? What sacrifice does he want from you now? A sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. Highest praise. Hallelujah. I bless your name, oh God. You are good all the time. I know I don't feel like it right now, God. Oh, I know what I went through this week, but you're good. You're good all the time. I will, I will continually, from my lips, from my mouth, I will praise you. I will bless you because you are good. Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. A sacrifice of praise. Come on. He's worthy. He's worthy. Anytime you don't feel like sacrifice of praise, just remember you didn't bring the oxen to the house today. He asked for a sacrifice of praise. Continually be in our mouth. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it used to be only the priest did that. But do you know who the priest is now? You. Look at your neighbor and go, you're a priest. priest. Ask your other neighbor, where's your collar? (laughs) Just teasing. Bad joke. (laughs) Bad joke, (laughs) (laughs) J.O. You can wear a collar if you want. Because you're a priest. How do you know? Because the Bible says so. 1st Peter 2:9 But you are a chosen generation <coughs> chosen Come on say this with me I'm chosen You're to lift your head up put your shoulders back and know that you are chosen of God you don't have to live with your head down, beat down in condemnation and shame and the lies of the enemy. God has chosen you. He selected you. He elect, you're on his team. You are a chosen generation. Amen. And then he says this. You're a royal priesthood. You're a priest. J.R., am, am I supposed to sacrifice animals now? No, you can bring a sacrifice of praise. You have the right because Jesus makes you righteous. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because of Jesus and his blood. Come on. I'm a royal priest of a holy nation. His own special people that call you, that, that you may proclaim, look, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Someone shout this out. I'm a priest. I'm a priest church worship need a little got to do a little clicking change today worship is not music it's not music it can be It can be a great part of music but it's not just music worship is not singing worship is not dancing it's not clapping it's not lifting hands it's not shouting. All of these things, if you're not careful, you can say or think that, hey, this is worship. Is it a part of worship? Absolutely. All of those things I just said are expressions of worship, acts of worship. Remember the name of the title of the, the sermon today? Can somebody say acapella? acapella? Acapella is singing without music behind it. If I sing a song right now, I'm going to sing Acapulco right now. This little lie of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's Acapulco or acapello. I didn't have music behind it. See, you don't have to have music behind you to live a life of worship. All those expressions that I just said, singing, shouting, clapping, is wonderful. I, I, I highly recommend it. Our corporate worship is far, powerful. We highly encourage expressions and acts of worship. Why? Because God is in, he, he, he's enthroned in the praises of his people. In the midst of that, on Sunday morning, Saturday night, when we come together in the body of Christ and we're in corporate worship, that is a corporate worship service or a service of worship. Absolutely. But worship is more than clapping and and, and songs and music. All those are expressions and they're powerful, but all those expressions should come out of a life of worship. A life of worship. Imagine if you lived a life of worship. Imagine if I live a life of worship the impact that's going to have even on our corporate gatherings on Sunday morning. Let me just, where do you get that from, J.O.? Well, let me read the scripture to you. Romans 12.1, the SV. I'm going to read two different versions this morning. It says this, uh, Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, look, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. It's kind of unique, living and sacrifice. Those words don't really seem to go well with me together, living and sacrifice, because a sacrifice is something slaughtered on purpose. But this is a living, you're to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your, look, spiritual worship. That tells me that worship is way more than music, way more than bass, more than guns, more than drums, more than singing. That this living body, right? What, what does it mean, by? Well, let me read the next version. Let me read this. It's beautiful. Look, look at this. New King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reason. Say that with me, reasonable service. reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. What does that word worship mean in the Greek? It means a divine service. It does mean worship. It does, it does mean, um, let me get back to it. I want to get to that definition. Just a minute. Excuse me. There it is. Worship, service, divine service. Worship is more than just music. It's a divine service unto God. A divine service unto God. Well, it says to present your bodies. What do you mean, bodies? Your body. J.R., yeah, are we supposed to present our, our bodies like a living sacrifice in the sense of like an animal? No, a living sacrifice. Will you say that with me again, living sacrifice? Living sacrifice. What, what, is, what do you mean by bodies? Here it is. All that you are. All the time. All that you are. A living Sacrifice. We are living, movable, moving, mobile, talking, serving, breathing, eating, living sacrifices for Jesus. All that I am, which is my reasonable service, which is spiritual worship. Paul does use that word. I love it. He says, which is your reasonable service. What do you mean by reasonable service? I believe Paul is saying because of all that Jesus has done for you and I. He walked on earth, born to Virgin Mary, took on all of our sin. He was beat and bled, poured out his blood for who? You and I. And then he died and he rose from the. Everything that Jesus has done for you and I, now there's something reasonable that you can do. Live for him. This is all jail, that's unreasonable. No, Paul said. This is reasonable. This is a reasonable service to live a life of, of living sacrifice, of spiritual worship unto him. It's reason- I'm asking you to do something reasonable for Jesus, for all that he's done for you, not just on Sunday or Saturday, not just a 20-minute worship service or a service of worship. But a life of worship. Monday. Yes. Tuesday. Yes. Wednesday. Oh, yes. Thursday. Yes. Friday. Thank God it's Friday. You should be thinking, thank God it's Monday. It's a reasonable. It's a reasonable for us to live our life as a living sacrifice. Unto him, wholly devoted unto him. It's reasonable for us to have an a undivided devotion. It's reasonable for us to lift our hands. It's reasonable for us to serve one another, to love one another, to be a people after God's own heart, which is a spiritual worship. Paul says, I beseech. Let me show you what that means. Can I use you for a minute, Seth? Because it could look quite offensive. I don't mean it to be offensive. I beseech. It means to get as close as you can to someone and you beckon them. You beckon them to live their life. I want you to live your life as a living sacrifice. I want you to choose to get up every day to do the right thing. I want you to present. I beckon you. I beseech you, I hearken you to do the right. I beseech you to be alive and eating and leaving and breathing, but I want you to worship me. I want you to, this is your spiritual worship. I need to get close to you. I need to beckon you, maybe even scream in your ear. I beseech you to live a life worthy unto me. That's what, can somebody say, I beseech? I beseech. That's the picture of that word, those two words, I beseech you. That's the picture of it. He beseeches you. The Holy Spirit is closer than I was with my son. He hearkens you. He beckons you to live a life of spiritual worship. It's reasonable for you to live this type of life, daily devo- And it is a, how many of you know it's a daily choice? Every day I get up. Hit my little boiler, usually grind my little beans, press my little French, press, get my coffee, screw my head on right to serve him, to present my body as a living sacrifice. Our life of worship is way more than 20 minutes on a weekend service. I love that. I love corporate worship. I love there's something powerful. I mean, we see it biblical, Bible, things happen in the midst of, of corporate worship when we're together and hallelujah, praise God, and God's move. I mean, Solomon was dedicating the temple and a cloud moved into that place during that dedication. Why? Because they were worshiping. They were trumpet playing and oh God is, you know, they were going off and they couldn't even, the priest couldn't even stand up because of the glory of God. Things happen in the corporate worship service, but it's more than that. It's a daily choice that we live to God, a living sacrifice, our spiritual worship. Jesus calls us to a life of worship. I want to share a few thoughts on that, and then we're going to be done. Number one, a life of worshiping by loving God with all that I am. A life of worshiping, a life of worship by loving God with all of I am. Listen to the first, the greatest and first commandment, Mark 12, 30, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and all of your strength. This is the first commandment. I would present to you today that it is reasonable for you to love God with everything in you. That is, I think, the first act of worship for us to be devoted. When you get up in the morning, when I get up in the morning, I screw this ball head on right. I said, God, I got to get a hold of you today. I got to connect with you today. I got to, I got, man, if not, I don't know what's going to happen. I need you. And I usually, sometimes, not always, I go out in my little cold garage in my little man cave For some reason, that's just where I can connect with the Father out in my truck. And I turn on my little stove, and it's cold out there, like really cold. And I just get my Bible out. If I'm reading, I know that God's speaking to me. It's easy. If I'm praying, I'm speaking to God. And if he wants to speak to me, Rhema, through his Holy Spirit, so be it. But i got to connect with my God. I want to seek him first. That's reasonable for me. I got to get a hold of you. This is no game for me. I have no options in this. I got to connect with you today, God, because I do love you. And a man values what he does and he does what he values. If I tell you all the time, I value God, I value God, I value God, I value my relationship with the God, but I never do anything with it, we got a problem, Houston. I just, a dude says, I just love my wife, I just love. Well, do you tell her? No, I told her once, 50 years ago when we got married. Okay, you go on dates? Absolutely, absolutely not. I'm her treasure. You buy her anything? No, she's got me. See, I would say you, this, 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 there's a disconnect because you can watch a person and see what they value really quickly. You can watch, just watch them. Not lip service, just watch him. A man values what he does and he does what he values. The very first place for us is a reasonable place to start is you and I loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It begins right, right there. This, the second part kind of goes along with that, Mark 12, 31. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no other commandment greater than these. A life of worship by loving people. How's that? That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? You mean to tell me that's a, that's a life of worship, J.O.? Yeah, divine service, reaching the unreachable, touching the untouchable. Sharing Christ, reaching out to be serving people, loving on people. It's our call of worship. It's our spiritual living sacrifice to love people. Oswald Chambers says, Worship is giving God the best that He has given you. Giving God the best that He's given you. Well, one of the best things that Jesus god ever gave me was jesus and the gospel i heard it i'd heard it before i walked with christ when i was young but december the 7th 1986 i walk into a church i hear this gospel and my heart is changed it's the best the gospel is amazing so what do i do well i want to share the gospel When I'm preaching, I hope that it is an act of service, a reasonable act of service unto God. I hope that it's spiritual worship unto God when I preach. No music, no drums, no guitars. Preaching, I think, can be an act of worship. When I'm preaching, I hope it's a reasonable act of worship. I must share with others that's been given to me. Rick Warren says the heart of worship is surrender. When your heart is surrendered, it's a heart of worship. Loving God, loving others, not just on the weekend, but every day. That's a life of worship. Number three, a life of worship through giving. Craig touched on this earlier a little bit, through through giving. We believe giving our tithes and offerings is is an act of worship. We give because what? If you approach giving to God like, uh, well, uh, I don't really like this. I got to just kind of like laying in the bills with your IRS bill. Or this is my telephone bill with my electric bill. Just so you got to put my bill in and for God. Whew. I think you need to rethink that. God loves a hilarious giver. You know that one translation? And a hilarious giver. Jow, 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 jow. Tithing, isn't that in the law, in the Old Testament? It was before the the Old Testament. Abraham. Back in Abraham's day. Well, like, say, I just don't believe in, in, in tithe. Tithe is 10%, okay? You don't believe in it? Well then. Jesus says, give it all. So either a tithe or just give it all. Right? right? I think tithe is a, a wonderful act of worship. I'm picking on you a little bit. But what I'm trying to say is it's about the heart. It's about the heart. If you line it up with your IRS bills and tax bills and all that, I go, wow, you, God doesn't need our money. He's always looking for our heart. Are you with me? Listen to this. We give because what? We love. It's all about the heart. Listen to Matthew six twenty one: For where your treasure is, don't get this mixed up because sometimes I think it's easy to say, well, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. No, it doesn't say that. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you can look at someone's treasures and you can follow them and it will lead them to your heart. Whatever your treasure is, it's going to lead back to your heart. You following that? So you can usually look at your checkbook or your visa statement and figure out where your heart is. Because that's where your treasures went. You you got that? We want our heart to be towards God. And it's always about the heart. The key is the heart in giving an act. Giving can be an act of worship or it doesn't have to be. It's just a little click, just a little click, click, click. And all of a sudden it's like click, click, click. Oh, God, you have my heart in this. I worship you with this. I worship you with giving of this or giving of alms or helping someone. I worship. It's just a little click. You can be just like a little click off. It's not good to have one wire off the distributor cap. You know what I'm saying? If the timing's off on your car, it can run really ragged. (laughs) It's sometimes just a little click that God is looking for when it comes to our heart. Number four, a life of worship through your work or at school. A life of worship through your work or at school. Listen to this this scripture, Colossians 3.23. And whatever you do, will you say that with me? Whatever, Amen. whatever you do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not to men. What? see, just a little click. It, it, here's a little, here's here's the click I'm talking about. Whatever you do or whatever, feel the click. You hear the click. It's just an attitude of the heart. Whatever you do, or whatever, just a click. It's about the attitude of the heart. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Listen to the, listen to the e- e- NLT. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather for people. How many of you own a business and you would like your employees to come to your business And work as unto the Lord and not to you. What would that be like? What would that be? Okay, I don't own a business, but I work for someone. How blessed would your bosses be if you worked unto the Lord instead of like, ah, my work sucks. I just, I can't stand this place of business. I don't get the benefits. They don't pay me what I'm worth. They work me over time. Come on. Come on. Now listen, what if you work, what if your work on Monday is a life of worship? That's a click right there. School. Yeah, I don't like school. That teacher, my geography teacher, right there, she's so jacked up. No, 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 no. You go to school, you're like, hey, I'm gonna live a life of worship, just a click. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into my biology class. I'm going to go in with enthusiasm. I'm going into work tomorrow with enthusiasm. I'm going to work as into the Lord. I'm going to study unto to the Lord because this is my reasonable act of worship. This is my spiritual worship. This is reasonable unto God that I live a life of worship, not just 20 minutes on Sunday. I'm telling you, Now, can you imagine if we live that way and then we come in here on the weekend? (laughs) Instead of you're like, ah, ah, Seth, get me going seth come a prime start the 59 ford come on come on i you got to get me into the presence of it's not their job to get you in the presence of god it's our job to walk in the presence of god it's our job to live a life of worship it's our reasonable service unto god and they'll you want your your finances and your work to be blessed oh my goodness Your bosses might be like, dude, I don't know what happened to you, but I need to give you a race. I don't even know what's wrong with you. Oh, I just do it unto the Lord. (laughs) Man, what church you go to? Come on. Are you feeling me? It's a reasonable service. A life of worship. Live a life of worship, passionately enthusiasm. Martin Luther said this, the reformist you can milk cows to the glory of God. He says, you can clean toilets to the glory of God. Wow. The key is to the glory of God. <laughs> you can milk cows like you stinking, nasty cow. You, you can be cleaning toilets like, <laughs> or you be like, just click. <sniffs> oh, this is unto you, God. <laughs> I'm gonna be a sweet fragrance to you today. Oh, I'm gonna live a life of worship. It's my reasonable service unto you, God, for all that you've done for me. Jo, I'm going to work tomorrow, and you talking like I'm gonna go there and this is gonna be an act of worship. I don't know if I'm there yet. I feel you. I don't know if I'm always there. No, that's not true. I'm not always there. I work at the church. I'm a servant for the Lord and work, and I'm out and about all over the place. I don't always feel like, wow, I just worship. Sometimes I do, I need to click. But we're in a process. Say that with me, process. We're all in a process of becoming more like Christ. And I got to tell you, I read Romans 12.1, but 12.2, right after 12.1, gets you a clue of what God wants from me and you. Listen to 12.2. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. Don't be like, there's Harry over there just cussing up a storm, just talking about his boss and just like, I hate this place, man. I'm not, they're not worthy of me working here. Don't be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can you see where there there needs to be a transformation, a renewing of the mind? That you may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. See, we need his word to renew our minds God, you got to do something deep. There's no way. I struggle with 20 minutes on Sunday. I really need you to do something. If I'm going to have a good time and act like, you know, be a, a testimony and a living worship, a living sacrifice at school, I, God transforms us from the inside out. The world hits us from the outside in, but God, through his word, transforms us from the inside out. Somebody say transform. You see, I used to walk with a limp and carry a brew you know why? Because that was cool. I used to cuss. I had a crazy old vocabulary. Had a gun like a homeboy of Harry. Hop in my car, lean to the side, and turn my Kenwood up sky high. And at the discotex, you can bet I'd be on the floor cold working a sweat. I used to lie about the girls I had. Fight all my brothers so I could be bad or have a name. But I was bound to change because that junk is all in vain. I went to church, didn't learn a thing. Thought it was a good money scheme. Matter of fact, I wasn't listening to the word, bro. I was checking out the girls you know. I had a Bible but it collected dust upon my shelf until I took it upon myself to check it out without a doubt Now i read it so much the pages are coming out. I'm transformed man just like a gobot but this ain't no cartoon and I'm not a robot I'm like a caterpillar who crawled into a cocoon and before your eyes came out a butterfly I'm transformed see he wants to transform you don't be like the world don't be, I'm not that beautiful butterfly yet, but I'm in the process. Don't be like the world. And the more we're transformed into the image of Jesus, guess what? The more we're going to live a life of worship. The more we're going to say, this is a reasonable service unto you, God. You're going to smell. People are going to be around you and go, what? Why? You are so different. And you're going to say, well, It's all about Jesus. (laughs) Taste and see that he is good. Come on, somebody. Transformation. Last thing and I'm done. How many of you, like I was, me and my wife's on a date the other night and we're on a sidewalk and You know, we stayed right in the middle of the sidewalk or right on the sidewalk here because the snow was really plowed down. It was really stomped down real good. And snow was on both sides. If you walk out your door and you got a snow path, how many of you typically will stay on that snow path, right? And I think most of us would. We would stay on this snow path. We're on that snow path every day because it's easy walking there. Man, many people have gone on that path. It's stomped down. You're not trudging through the deep snow. But if you knew that path wasn't leading you in the right direction or maybe there was going to be destruction on the, on the way or maybe this path has not brought transformation in your heart, there may be a point where you go, you know what? It's time for me to step and trudge into the snow. It's time for me to wade through the snow. I've been doing this forever, and I don't see the renewing. I haven't seen the transformation. i got to make a new path, not a a path away from Jesus. I'm just talking about for your life of getting off the beaten path that's going to bring transformation in your life, maybe some old habits or whatever it may be. I encourage you to get off that beaten path occasionally to see what God wants to do new inside of you. Amen.